Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Psalm 121 today. I'm privileged to stand here this week and next week while Pastor John is at the Simeon Trust Expository Workshop. And that sounds just as impressive, or is just as impressive as it sounds. Uh, he is actually uh, helping to lead that. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. I've been to a few of these workshops and uh, learned a lot from them. So uh, keep Pastor John in your prayers uh, as he continues uh, with that this coming week. Today and next week, we are going to prepare our hearts for Easter. Uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, at two Psalms of Ascents. Uh, and these are songs that the Jews sang on their way up to Jerusalem for the three major festivals of the year, including Passover, of course, which is when our Lord was crucified. Uh, this was God's command for them to go up to appear before him three times a year. Uh, we see this in Exodus chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 23. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. And so after the, the temple's permanent home became Jerusalem, all adult males, uh, that is 13 years old and up, uh, were expected by God to make this pilgrimage from their homes to the holy city. And they went to Jerusalem uh, for Passover and for Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they went along uh, every time they went with God's promise to protect them on their journey and also to protect the homes that they left behind uh, until they returned. Uh, no one shall covet your land, God said. Now, sometimes family members would t uh, stay at home. Sometimes they would tag along and, and go on the trip. Uh, this was the case when Jesus was 12 years old. He's on the cusp of manhood, and he goes to Jerusalem with his mother and with Joseph uh, to make the pilgrimage uh, during Passover. The pilgrimage itself was a, a major trip for many people, including for Joseph and Mary and Jesus. It was 90 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And so that would be like our setting out today to walk to Richmond. It's exactly the same distance. Well, for Jesus' family, this, this hike that they were taking took at least three dangerous days because the way was full of rocky paths and there were some bandits lurking in the shadows and behind the hills. And so they would set out from Nazareth in a small caravan for protection. And that caravan, of course, would get larger and larger the closer they got to Jerusalem. And so needless to say, to leave home three times a year was a risk and a sacrifice. And yet God always protected them. And this is a very significant point. We look back at the, the history of God's people between Moses and Christ. There is no record at all of an enemy invading Jewish lands during those three festivals. It never happened. And so God protected them. Now, along the way, they would sing some songs. And in fact, we've got their song book. They are the Songs of Ascent, Psalms 120 uh, through 134. 
Uh, these are 15 of the songs that the Jews sang as they wait, made their way up to Jerusalem for Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. And we know this because in our Bibles, each one of these songs has the heading, A Song of Ascents. So you'll see that in your Bible, most likely. Uh, there are other names for these uh, songs. They sometimes are called pilgrim psalms or songs of degrees or even songs of steps. But these songs cover the gamut of Jewish life. They have to do with, uh, with the godly home and God's redemption. They have to do with the joy of arriving in Jerusalem for this great celebration. And as we're going to see today, they also have to do with the way that God provides and cares for us. And so just imagine with me for a moment, your family is going up to Jerusalem for Passover. You're going up to celebrate the miraculous release of Israel from their captivity to the Egyptians. And along the way, you've got plenty of time to sing these songs over and over and over again, especially if you're uh, Joseph and Mary with Jesus, you've got three days uh, worth of singing to do. As you're going up, though, you're going up uh, well after Jesus was a boy, and you've heard about this Jesus, this man who's running around with his disciples, and he's making some extraordinary claims. In fact, he's doing some extraordinary things, like healing people of their sicknesses, and he's even, you've heard this, he's even raised a couple people from the dead. You also heard, though, that he doesn't really get along all that great with the Jewish leaders, but, but you're hoping, along with your fellow Jews, that well, that maybe he's going to be this Messiah that God has been promising for so long, this Messiah who, in your mind, is going to free your people from Roman oppression. And maybe, maybe even when you get to Jerusalem, you might even get to see him. But along the way, you, you sing a song that you've sung many times before. This is a song that asks for God's protection for you and your family as you make this journey yet again. And so let's take a look at Psalm 121. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The word of God. Well, this is what we're going to meditate on today, this pilgrim song of hope and encouragement. Next week, we're going to contemplate another pilgrim song, uh, Psalm 132. That's a beautiful song that, that includes a, an incredible promise from God to set upon the throne a son of David whose crown will shine. 
And so that's what we'll look at next week, but today it's Psalm 121, which we just read. The Jews who sang it understood that God's protection for them was complete during their journey to Jerusalem and all the time. This was a promise that they were well aware of and that God had kept for generation after generation after generation. But as they make their way toward Jerusalem this time, they're blind to what we can see as we look back. They're blind to how this man from Nazareth is about to fulfill that promise of protection in spades. And so the big idea for Psalm 121 is this, that Christ fulfills God's sleepless, complete, and unending care. And certainly the lesson that we can take home with us is the assurance of Christ straight from his own mouth. In Matthew chapter 28, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is some great hope, isn't there? And so let's go ahead and dig in. Psalm 121 is most likely what we call antiphonal. That is, it's a kind of call and response between two groups of singers. We know this because the first two verses uh, are in the first person, I. And so this is sung by the first group to express a cry of, of hope. So maybe, you know, you guys are group one and that's what you sing. You sing these first two verses. And then the rest of, of the psalm is sung by group two. And let's, let's call you guys group two over here. And you take on the tone of a of how a priest would give a word of encouragement in response to a cry of help, the cry of help that we see in the first two verses. And then as we reread the rest of the psalm, we see that we can divide it into three pairs of verses. And in these verses, we see the word keep or, or a version of it repeated six times, six times in the remaining verses. And so the emphasis is on how God cares for us, on how he protects us and provides for us. And so in verses three and four, we see the first pair uh, where we see the Lord's sleepless providence. That's how uh, a commentator uh, put it back in the 1800s, and I just love that title. Uh, Verses five and six, uh, we see the Lord's complete care, and then in verses seven and eight, we see the Lord's unending protection. And so to get started, we need to look at this cry for help for a moment in verses one and two. I lift my eyes up to the hills, or I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Excuse me, from where does my help come? I always want to add from at the end of it, even though from is at the beginning. So from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Well, as we've already seen, the, the, uh, the pilgrim needs help because his trip to Jerusalem uh, c- can be dangerous. Uh, Not only because of the dangers along the way, but also because of the risk of leaving uh, leaving his home essentially unprotected. You know, for those of us who've traveled for business, we know something of how this feels. Not only are you in an unfamiliar place, but you're leaving your family behind, and and it leaves you feeling exposed and vulnerable. I remember... Uh, Back in my old life as a photojournalist, I remember uh, having to go away for a couple of weeks to cover the 2004 presidential conventions in Boston and New York. As far as I'm concerned, it's a different planet. And those are kind of scary places to me uh, all on their own. But this was the first set of conventions after 9-11. 
And so the, uh, the concern about terrorist attacks was, was very palpable. It was very palpable, and it was a very uh, uh, possible reality uh, going up there at that time. And so I remember a meeting with Pastor John over in his office right over here and, and asked him to pray for me and pray for my family before I left because I needed God's protection. But you know what? So did my family. That's because I was leaving them behind during a particular, particularly rough time. It was a time when they, they really needed me. They needed my presence. But I really had no choice but to go. It was my job. And so my whole family, well, all of us needed God's protection. Well, this is, this is exactly the kind of protection that you need as a pilgrim. As you set out for Jerusalem. From where does my help come? Well, you might remember Mother Abbas in The Sound of Music. She quoted Psalm 121, but she quoted from the King James Version. Uh, she's encouraging Maria and her new family as they escape over the Alps. And she says, remember, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. In other words, uh, the traveler here is anticipating that moment when he, when he rounds the bend and he finally sees the temple uh, set in there among the hills around uh, Jerusalem. But the better way to interpret this verse is as a question. This is the way our ESV uh, translates it, and the NASB and NIV and other translations have it this way. From where does my help come? And so what this means is that as a pilgrim, really you're, you're kind of asking this question into thin air for the moment. It's a kind of a rhetorical question as you gaze at the hills around you with a very long walk ahead of you and you're acknowledging that there's absolutely no help at all out there in those hills. There is no pagan God who can help and there's no John Wayne who's going to arrive at just the right moment to save you. You know, I think most of us have been in the wilderness in one way or another. Even from a scenic overlook, the, the, uh, the, it's a foreboding place. It can be a scary place. You can almost imagine that there's a bear behind every tree eyeing you out for a quick lunch. But you know, the wilderness of real life is even scarier sometimes. Besides all the physical dangers, the hills around us are full of false teachers and false gods who can, who can just lead us astray or get us killed in a heartbeat. And so what we do is we turn to the one whom we know can help us, right? And we answer our own question in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help comes from Yahweh, the great I Am. Our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And so, as the pilgrim, you know that whatever God has created, He can control. And so you also know that God will do just that, just as He has for generations of Jews who have made this pilgrimage before you. And you know what? We can say the same thing today. As you look back on your own life, even, even before you received Christ, you can honestly say that the Lord has protected you, can't you? God has watched over you through all kinds of dangers, all kinds of them. I bet, I bet we could spend the rest of the day here just telling those stories together. 
But brothers and sisters, it is possible for us to start to take God's care for granted. We can take it for granted so much so that we even lose sight of the fact that it is God's supernatural hand and not our own cleverness that is what carries us through all of those dangers that are lurking in the hills. God certainly gifted us with lots of brains and grit and determination and perseverance. He's he's gifted us with the ability to plan and to accomplish, absolutely. But we've got to remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, is it? That's what Paul said. Our struggle is against very real spiritual powers of darkness. Powers that I've got to say are a whole lot stronger than you are a whole lot stronger than you can ever be. And what that means is that we need a far greater supernatural power to protect us. And so think about this with me. How many deaths have you not died because of God's power to protect you? How many times has God intervened in your life? How many times has he has He worked in in relationships in ways that you cannot see and control and how he's healed those relationships how often has God worked out the timing in your life just right just in the right way to to bring about his will for you we might not ever know the answers to those questions but we certainly see the results that's because the power of God to protect us is real Our help comes from the very presence of Yahweh, the great I Am, the Almighty God who created everything. And we're we're not waiting for God to ride in at just the last minute like Clint Eastwood in a spaghetti western. God is ordering our steps. He is with us every step of the way, protecting us even as we walk through those valleys of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. You know, brothers and sisters, The world is just falling apart around us, isn't it? Right is wrong and wrong is right. Hatred of God is just as real today as it was for the Jews who were making that that pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But brothers and sisters, God isn't falling apart. He's not falling apart. He is our protection and he hasn't lost a bit of his power and neither should we lose any bit of our nerve. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our safety. God is our safety. Not our circumstances and nothing else in this world is our safety. God is our safety. And so we have nothing to fear, whether we're at home or whether we're out in the world or wherever we are, because God is with us. So you see, this is the cry for help and the one true answer to that cry, which is God himself. And so now we can move on to the response, to the encouraging words that, that follow. We've called out for help, and, and we've heard God's answer to that. 
And now we receive words of encouragement in these next three pairs of verses. The Lord's sleepless providence and the Lord's complete care and his unending protection. And so let's take a look at his sleepless providence first. Psalm 121 says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will, never, will neither slumber nor sleep. And so as a pilgrim, you're making your way toward Jerusalem. And the highway in, in so many places is just a footpath and it's rough and rocky. I think we all probably remember Pastor John's story uh, of his experience on those paths when he almost fell off the path, literally. And that would have hurt him badly or worse. This is a, a dangerous place. And so this is also a vivid picture for the Jews who were striving to walk in God's ways. This is a vivid picture of how God would keep your foot from moving and it's symbolic uh, for, for how God guards your whole life. He guards your whole life, the whole way that you go. Your foot will not move. Psalm 62 says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. I shall not be shaken because this is the providence of God. God is taking care of me. We tend to think about God's providence as primarily having to do with his sovereign uh, power to uh, order all of the events of our lives. And certainly that's part of what we mean by providence. But God's providence also has to do with the supernatural protection and care of God. And so not only do we depend on God's immovable will to work out our present and our future, but our safety and our well-being today and into the future hinges on God's divine power to take care of us and to give us exactly what we need according to his wisdom and his will. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6. He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and Tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then, of course, in verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so as we seek God, as we seek his kingdom, as we genuinely seek to live for Christ, we can be absolutely positive that God is going to take care of us, not only because he's done so in the past, but even as we face today's rocky road, because God never, ever, ever, ever falls asleep on the job. He never does. That's what verse 3 is about. He who keeps you will not slumber. God is never indifferent or unaware or so bored that he's not paying attention. You know, for those of you who have been in the military, I have not, but for those of you who have, you understand the solemn responsibility of guard duty. I picked this up from the movies I've watched. <laughs> All right? But this is a solemn responsibility because if you fall asleep on the job on guard duty, you can be attacked. You've betrayed your fellow soldiers' trust. You've put everyone in a whole lot of danger. But the good news is, is that our Lord is the perfect guard. He never dozes off. He is always alert. He is always vigilant. He is always capable. 
And in fact, because of his sovereign rule over all of his creation, he even knows every single danger that is lurking in your life, even when you have no clue about them. There's a great example of this in a time when Jesus stayed awake and prayed for his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what did his disciples do? They were snoozing away. They were slumbering. They were falling asleep on duty. But here's here's what Jesus prays. And notice how many times he talks about keeping them and guarding them. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Even that didn't happen outside of God's control. But you see, this is how God protects us, how he keeps us from dangers, all kinds of them, seen and unseen. It is the very real power of the living God that sustains us. And even even when terrible things do happen in our lives, even then he's able to turn into good what the devil has meant for evil. Our Lord is never unable to protect us. Hold on to that truth. He is never indifferent or bored or distracted. He always cares about us. He is always protecting us. And the reason that he does this, the reason behind it all is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that was poured out for us. God watches over us because he gave his only son for us. It's no wonder that he protects us. It's no wonder that he cares for us. Look at the price he paid for us. And so not only does God watch over the individual pilgrim, but he watches over the whole nation of Israel. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I love that. God guards Israel. He keeps his covenant promises to sustain Israel. And so, so as, as a pilgrim on the way to Jerusalem, and as you remember the history of your nation, you are so well aware of the fact of how God chose you to be his people and how God cared for you generation after generation, even in slavery, even in the wilderness. And he gave you the promised land and the kingdom. He kept all of his promises and he even loved you enough to discipline you as a nation by sending you into exile and then returning your people back home to Jerusalem. And this tells you that God's love is real and that he cares for you deeply and he always keeps his promises. He is faithful. And so likewise, we can look back on the resurrection and we can be certain that God is going to guard his church. The power of the living Christ, the living Christ, the resurrected Christ is what sustains us. Paul says it best in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If ever you are in despair of whether God cares about you and protects you, just read that passage. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you know what else that means? It means that neither politicians nor space aliens or even Satan can separate us from the love of God. None of them can destroy God's people. Christ reigns where nobody can touch him. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Nobody can reach him there. And so... We know that our Lord is able to protect us and he never falls asleep on the job. He never rests because he doesn't need rest. He is eternal and he created all things. He is our keeper. He is our Lord. And his care for us is constant. It never ends. It is all the time. And as we're about to see, the Lord's care is complete. The sleepless providence of God means that the Lord's care is complete. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And so as a pilgrim on that journey to Jerusalem, this brings you a great deal of comfort. The Lord is your keeper and he protects you. He protects your family, not just on this long walk, but in your daily walk, even when you go back home. His protection covers you like the shade over your right hand, that is, over your entire life. In, in whatever you put your hand to, God will protect, whether you're on pilgrimage or at home, as long as you walk with him. As long as you walk with him, God protects you. Not just in parts of your life, but your whole life. You see, with God, there aren't any limited warranties, are there? No pre-existing conditions, except that you love the Lord your God through faith in Jesus Christ. There are no exceptions due to normal wear and tear. You belong to Yahweh. And you're not going to wear out because the Lord sustains you. You are his chosen people. And so in the course of all that happens in your life, all that happens in your life and the life of God's people, including this trip to Jerusalem, God has got your back. He's got you. Just think with me about how God has worked out the details of your life. Think of the people that God has placed in your life at just the right time. Think even about the challenges to your faith. You know, when we think about those, objectively speaking, from a worldly perspective, given those trials and circumstances, really none of us should be sitting here today worshiping God. Those trials and circumstances to the world teach us that God does not love us. And yet here we are today. And God has used all of those things in a way that causes us to want to sit here and soak up his truth and to experience his love. It's an amazing thing. God has protected you and me. 
He is why you're here today. His protection is like the shade. It protects you from the, the heat of the sun and the rays of the moon. Well, we've got we've to have a little understanding here to what the passage is telling us. There used to be a belief that the rays of the moon were harmful, the actual rays of the moon. Spend too much time in the moonbeams at night, and you can get a little addled. That's what the thinking was. And so, uh, but even today, there is evidence that the moon does affect us. It's not the rays of the moon, but during the 1800s in England, lawyers used a defense called guilty by reason of the full moon. And try that one out in court. But you know, modern studies have, have shown that crimes really do occur more often when there's a full moon. Just ask any police officer. In fact, this is where we get our term lunatic from, from the Latin word for moon. And so the thought here in our psalm is that God's protection is like the shade, whether from the sun's rays or from the moonbeams. Now much of the Holy Land is desert. There's very little rainfall there. A shade during the day can be a highly coveted scarcity. And in a land that is far more barren than ours, the moon at night can be especially bright. The hot burning rays of the sun are especially dangerous, we all know that. But you know, this is the condition we find ourselves in today, isn't it? We're in the desert of our culture. And the heat is on and it's getting hotter every day. Every day the pressure grows on us to conform to this world rather than to be faithful to the living God. But even while we depend on the protection of God from that danger, which is very real, Let's not ever forget those people out there who have no shade, who are not under the protection of God. We should never allow ourselves to think that the culture's heat on us means that we've got to isolate ourselves and, and retreat to our air-conditioned church culture to get away from them, build walls between us and them, those people out there who hate God. You see, God is instead sending us into this desert. He's sending us into the world with the promise that He is our shade. He protects us so that we can carry living water to offer to thirsty souls. God did this with the ancient Jews. He sent His people into the face of persecution three times a year. Do you think the pagans loved what they were doing? Do you think the pagans just welcomed them and celebrated what they were doing? They persecuted God's people. They always have and they always will. But the Jews depended on God to be their shade. And he always came through. He always protected them. And so three times a year, their pilgrimage was a testimony for the whole world to see. Brothers and sisters, we're on a pilgrimage too. We're on a pilgrimage to heaven. And, but we're confident that God is protecting us so that we can engage ungodly people, so that we can tell them with gentleness and respect about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is a hope that's free and available to anybody who receives Jesus Christ. 
anybody. Yeah, we're traveling through a desert, and we need God's shade to protect us as we minister, as we minister to those who have no protection, these people who are burned by the sun and befuddled by the moon. Would you ever pass someone in the desert with a canteen on your back full of water and never offer it to somebody who had no water? May we never do that. May we always be ones who are offering the living water of Jesus Christ. This is urgent business. It is urgent for their souls because there's not going to be, as they stand before the Father, there's not going to be a lunar defense for those who reject Christ. This is why God has sent us here. He sent us here to show them the only oasis in the desert that can offer true hope to a sunburned and addled world. And we've got the proper motivation to do it, besides the fact that we're saved. We've got to remember that we were once sunburned lunatics too. That's who we were. But you know what that does is that just makes us living proof of God's power. Makes us living proof that whether the people who are turning up the heat on us today are involved in sexual sin or campaigning for, for ungodly things or whether they believe in a pagan God, we are living proof that tomorrow they too can be children of the Most High God. They can be people whose sins have been washed away by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the very same blood that washed me clean, the same blood that made you whiter than snow. In other words, isn't this one of the reasons why we're here? <laughs> isn't it, aren't we here to, to, to show the world how the care of God gives us life? and protects our lives, sustains us. Brothers and sisters, we as the church are the only oasis in the desert. We're the only oasis that can help anyone. All the others are just mirages. But you know, the encouragement here is that because we're under God's protection, the heat can't burn us. The moonbeams can't muddle and disorient us. And that's because just like the Jews who are shuffling their way toward Jerusalem three times a year, just as Peter says, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that you may proclaim the excellencies of our great God. The only way those people out there who hate God, the only way that they can ever experience the cool relief of God's shade is if we love them like God has loved us. The only way they can experience any of that is if we show them how God takes care of us sleeplessly and completely. And even as we're about to see, unendingly. Verses 7 and 8 are about the Lord's unending pr protection. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. 
The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You see, the Lord protects our lives by guarding us against evil forever. God the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit can make that promise because He is eternal. Isaiah 40 says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And that's exactly why Christ taught us to pray to the everlasting God, protect us from evil. Protect us from evil. And the reason we pray that is because we know that he can and that he will. And so even while evil swirls around us like a sandstorm in the desert, even even while evil can affect us, evil cannot destroy us. And ultimately, that means that we are safe for eternity. For all of eternity. The psalmist declares that that God protects us from this time forth and forevermore. Here's how Jesus put it. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And so our endless protection regarding both our salvation and our daily lives is accomplished by divine power. It is accomplished by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That protection is supernatural. It's beyond us. Now, I cannot stress enough how the Holy Spirit does use our Bibles to protect us. Absolutely, He does. Because knowing God as God has revealed Himself to us is what protects us from all of those counterfeit gods out there, right? But the Holy Spirit doesn't only move through our Bible knowledge. He doesn't only move through our intellectual capacity to understand the words on the page. God, the Holy Spirit, also moves in ways that we cannot fathom. The Holy Spirit works miracles, right? The Holy Spirit is who intercedes for us. He intervenes for us in ways that are too deep for words. In other words, God's power is real. That's the living God that our Bibles are proclaiming. And this is the perspective of our psalm today. The the pilgrim has asked for help from the God whose power to protect him is real and above all other powers. And he needs God to protect him from evil all the time and forevermore. Not only on his pilgrimage, uh, but also when he gets home and, and is going through the daily grind of life. He needs God to protect him, not just physically, but also in the spiritual realm. The reason he can ask God for that protection is because he belongs to God. If we put our trust in Christ, we can expect that protection too. Psalm 91, Scotty read it a little while ago. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. God is our refuge. 
He is our refuge, not our circumstances. Nothing else in this life is our refuge. God is our circumstances, or is our, is our refuge forever because He is forever. You see how that works? You know, I bought an extended warranty for my car, but it's going to run out someday soon. But God's protection is unending. The warranty never expires. And the reason for that is we belong to him through faith in Christ. God guards every single part of a believer's life from this time forth and forevermore, and he does it by the power of the living God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, we've caught a glimpse today of what's on the hearts and minds of these Jews as they make their trek toward Jerusalem for the Passover feast. We've also learned a few lessons for our own walk along the way with the Lord. Where does our help come from? From the Lord who made heaven and earth. We've also learned about the Lord's sleepless providence, about the Lord's complete care and the Lord's unending protection. These are certainly lessons that we take home with us today, and I think Christ sums it up best in his own words. These are the last words that Christ spoke after his resurrection and right before he ascended bodily into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Matthew 28, 20, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember that later on this week when things aren't going your way, and when you feel unprotected, Christ is there. Christ is our assurance that he protects us and keeps us and cares for us sleeplessly and completely and endlessly. Christ fulfilled that promise by keeping another promise to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper as we wait for his return. But you know, as we have gone through Psalm 121, we cannot help but sense a terrible irony because this song was being sung by the pilgrims on their way to the Passover feast and these very same Jews who sing this song so joyfully, who are celebrating how God cares for them, in just a little over a week are going to find themselves shouting. Crucify him. Let him be crucified. Crucify him. My help comes from the Lord, they sang. But they lifted their eyes up to another hill called Calvary. And they nailed their Lord who created heaven and earth to a cross. A short footnote. At the beginning today, we took note of the fact that God supplied his protection perfectly to the Jews for generation after generation, all the way from the time of Moses, whenever the Jews went up to Jerusalem for these three feasts. But God took that protection away. 33 years after the cross, a Roman general marched into a town in Israel, a town called Lydda, And he murdered 50 Jews while all of the others had gone up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Now the point here is that the real danger is to be without Christ. That's the real danger. The danger isn't really our circumstances or all of the things that are going around us. The danger isn't really the desert. It's being without Christ. But you see, we also see the power of the cross, don't we? We see the providence of God in the cross in that God provided exactly what we need to save us. He provided his son, Jesus Christ. You see, he who keeps Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. God kept his promise to protect his own, and Christ is our guarantee that no power anywhere can ever take us away from the care of God. Christ is with us individually and as the church, even to the end of the age, even until he keeps another promise, and that is to return and to take us home. But in the meantime, we as the church, we are the oasis in this desert of a culture we live in. And so to the unbeliever, we say, you know what? You don't need to suffer under the heat of the sun. You don't, you don't have to go lunar either. <laughs> you can come and dwell in divine shade. You can, you can be kept from all evil forever. Your feet can be firmly planted in the immovable truth that is Jesus Christ. Your help can come from the creator of heaven and earth who is able and who never sleeps and who will protect you completely. In fact, the way he did it, if you receive him, is by washing away your sins. He will make you a new person. And he'll give you eternal life, eternal life with him. Where does your help come from? My help comes from that Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, thank you, thank you for protecting us, not only in our daily lives, not only in our walk, but also by sending us your Son to live and die for us and then to rise again to give us eternity with you. We pray, Father, that as we walk through this life, that you would teach us to be the oasis, to represent you in this world in such a way that all who, whom you have called to be your people shall be your people. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you for you. In Jesus' name, amen.